Today, we're speaking with Madison McHale Bush, the founder and CEO of Point, which helps mobilize volunteers for greater impact. Join us to hear about Madison's start into the sector, her hopes and dreams for the field, and what's next on the horizon. Oh, and you definitely don't want to miss Madison's soapbox moment. And as always, welcome to the podcast. So today we're chatting with Madison McHale Bush, and we are going to learn a little bit more about a platform to help nonprofits create employee engagement opportunities. And we are so excited to learn more about your journey, where you came from, how uh, you do the work that you do, and what's important to you. So I guess a good starting point would be, can you tell us more about yourself? Starting point, pun intended. (laughs) Yes, my name is Madison McHale Bush. I'm in New York City. If you can't tell by the angry trash collector outside and the people screaming on the street, it's, (laughs) (laughs) we'll see how this goes. I'm the founder and CEO of a platform called Point. Point is like open table for volunteering. If that gives you a very clear picture of what we do. We have for volunteers, one platform you can volunteer for any cause. And then on the flip side, we have a management platform for nonprofits and for companies to be able to manage their volunteer workforce, whether that's employees or just truly volunteers. All right. That's that's great. So you got this platform. How'd you, how'd you get there? Can you tell us a little bit of life story about becoming a social entrepreneur? So I grew up in a mixed ethnicity household. One of my parents is Middle Eastern and one of my parents is Appalachian, which makes for an amazingly interesting upbringing. And what those two cultures have in common is hard work, which is a really interesting mix and a challenge in a very small girl growing up in Ohio. I tell people I'm Middle Eastern and Midwestern, which makes me chronically nice as well. And, you know, Ohio is just an amazing place to raise a family. If you haven't been to Ohio, you know, that's our specialty. What I think was really interesting about my upbringing is that my parents were very challenging and in the best way, right? I was learning algebra in kindergarten. And not to say I'm great at math, I'm miserable at math, but my dad tried, right? He really tried. And in the summers, you know, most kids are like twiddling their thumbs. My dad, you know, looks at us, I might might have been like seven or eight, and he's like, all right, you're learning how to mulch. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's, I couldn't have been more like 60 pounds, right? 60, 70 pounds. I'm carrying these giant 50 pound mulch bags. And I'm in defiance. I'm mulching in my bare feet and I'm, you know, mulching all of these garden beds. And my dad is like, all right, now knock on your neighbor's door and, uh, you know, get some clients, you know, make a business out of this. Um, my dad, Uh, is also an entrepreneur um, in the biotech space. And so everything was a challenge, right? Everything was understanding how things worked. And classically at our dinner table, we would discuss cancer research and, you know, what big things were happening in the world. And um, that was just what we grew up with. 
my mom was very creative. There was always a creative solution to something. And I think with those very interesting backgrounds uh, instilled this mentality in myself that I could fix things. Maybe that's a little inflated, the ego, I'm not sure. But I always had this idea that I could do something about something. And I think naturally I had this bleeding heart. And it was something that was annoying and uncontrollable, but I just really cared about everything. I'm like, you might have that friend who's that girl or that person that just really cares about too much. And I am absolutely that person. I've had to accept that about myself. I'm probably the Miss Goody Two Shoes. I'm probably like the nun of the group. And I just really like doing great things and good things. Like if I wasn't on this call, I'd probably go outside and see how I could help these people. (laughs) But You know, that's just kind of like intrinsically who I am. And it's kind of annoying sometimes, to be honest. Yeah. And there's that danger of that the whole white knight thing where you're saving everyone else and then you become useless to yourself and you become useless to everyone else. So it's, yeah, it's nice to see you still here. (laughs) That's a a whole nother soapbox about, you know, white knights and in this space. So that's my upbringing. That's like the context in which I will tell my story in. So you can kind of know who I am and how I was raised. So I was pretty much always frustrated. And I say always because in middle school, I would sit down and we, I think we were watching like a movie on global poverty and I'm sobbing in the back. Like there are tears just streaming down my face because again, bleeding heart. I can't watch any, you know, video or visual about people in need. I'm going to cry every single time. And, you know, I just walked away. I remember in the seventh grade walking away thinking, okay, everybody cares right now. And in the next two days, if people don't do something, you know, don't take that incentive or that that feeling and do something about it, nothing's going to happen, right? Like, why is there not an easy starting point, pun intended, to do something good? Why isn't there something that we could all go do right now? And it was so frustrating to me, right? And I've just, that really sat in the back of my mind. So all through high school, again, every time a social issue comes up, I'm sobbing and there's just no action behind it. And remember, I've been grown up in this culture where if there's a problem or if there's anything that you can do, you're doing it, right? You go find the solution. You go fix a problem. You go think of a creative solution to solve something. So I remember... Uh, using like the first versions of like DoorDash or Uber or whatever it was in college. And I was just thinking, you know, if I can order, I can literally order ramen in bed and I can book a room and span on my phone. I literally can't do something good in my neighborhood. There's nothing on demand. If I want to do something good, I have to go call a really cute, like 85-year-old volunteer coordinator that works at the community kitchen and I have to play phone tag for four days. Like, why is this the state of our world? I was so frustrated. And because I'm Middle Eastern American, I was in pre-med because if you're not a doctor, you're a disappointment. And I'm like, you know what? I can do this side gig where I could possibly, you know, make a volunteer app and I'll just put it out into the world. I'm going to go be the doctor that I'm expected to be. 
So I started working on this volunteer app. It was a, a nightmare. It was so difficult. Like I was, I had no idea what the tech world was like. I'm again, some chick from Ohio in a small liberal arts college. I have no idea about the tech world. And so I started like piecing together developers and trying to make this like giving website. And, you know, it was fine, right? We made this like first version of a giving website. People were giving. But during that process, I had met with like, I think 400 nonprofits. And all of these nonprofits told me the exact same thing. Hey, like giving is something that we need, but it's like, it's great. It's a nice to have. Bringing us volunteers is even more needed because it's hard for us to recruit. But what we really need is technical tools to manage the people that you bring us. And I think that was just an eye opener for me because all these women were telling me the exact same stories. And I want to point out that I'm calling out women on purpose. When we think nonprofits, we need to start thinking women. Because at the local level, women are the founders and the workforce behind each nonprofit. 75% of the nonprofit sector workforce are women. The nonprofit sector is the third largest employer in the United States. And 75% of its workforce are women. So again, I'm you know, 350 women, some are telling me, hey, all of these tools that we're using are insufficient. You built us this platform that helps us, you know, find some donations and find volunteers. But again, there's a bigger issue at play. And that bigger issue was the technical tools. This was the true starting point of starting point. I get to use your pun. Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. These women said they weren't being listened to. They would ask for, you know, new features or developed capabilities that weren't being delivered. They felt ignored. Um, They felt like no one really understood they had expertise in this sector. And it was kind of apparent to me that the disparity in nonprofit tech was also a gender equality issue right? We weren't listening to women. We weren't listening to leaders, these women leaders who were changing our communities and responsible for all of the social change. And we were kind of like, as a society saying to them, thanks for doing good. You guys keep on doing what you're doing. We'll give you some funds, but we're not going to give you anything else in terms of like technical support, other resources. And I found that really frustrating. So at that point, I decided to be a disappointment and not a doctor. And I took the GRE. I did all my things that I was supposed to do. And then I said, sorry, mom and dad, I'm going to go chase this. And, you know, at that time, they both were kind of like, you're crazy. But essentially, give it a shot. You know, you can always come back to be a doctor. There you go. There you go. So I gave it a shot. And I'm not going to say it was a smooth route. (laughs) But point again as this like open table for volunteering model we had to test a lot of different strategies to get it off the ground and at its core we build tools for women leaders that's what we do we build capacity building tools for to manage a volunteer workforce and part of that piece 
is the relationship between nonprofit and corporate. And as many of your listeners will know, corporate sometimes is that backbone to a volunteer workforce. And as you know, I'm having these very in-depth conversations with, again, hundreds of these women leaders at nonprofits, they're all saying, we love that corporate supports us. We love that they bring us donations, but they are a pain. And I think that was another moment of just like, what do you mean they're a pain, right? You have all these corporate partnerships. Isn't this the best thing in the world for you? And, you know, if it's a small nonprofit, that volunteer coordinator would look me in the eye and say, not really. And I would ask why. And sometimes the expectations of corporate on these small nonprofits was just unattainable, right? They wanted impact reports that they weren't used to doing. And they didn't have any technical tools to give them an impact report. So you would see, no joke, three women sitting around with calculators and Excel spreadsheets trying to figure out what they were going to give to these corporations. And I'm just thinking, this is not helping, right? We have to structurally help the nonprofits so that we can create impact and measurements and everything that you know we want as a society but we're missing the, we're, we're not solving the root problem here. So Point decided we are going to take the idea of a nonprofit-centered approach and allow corporations to help in the ways that nonprofits need them to, and then provide the back end that can produce reports for corporate instantly that can allow nonprofits and corporate to co-host events together so that the management and back and forth that normally happens when a corporate's trying to, or a company's trying to volunteer at a nonprofit is streamlined and you're no longer sending emails back and forth that the check-in capabilities would be shared in responsibility between a company and a nonprofit so all of these really kind of like collaboration tools is something that is really unseen in this market. Normally what happens when a company is starting a CSR platform is there a, use, or a program or a platform, <laughs> whatever uh, route you're going, if you're using an established CSR platform, that CSR platform is probably buying an API of volunteer opportunities that sends your employees down a rabbit hole of trying to figure out how to volunteer at this nonprofit. They're not on demand. They're playing phone tag. You know, they're trying to figure out how to volunteer. The API functions as a bulletin board, but not as like an on-demand sign-up. And this is really technical and nitty-gritty and nobody else in the space, nobody else would care about this unless you're in the space. But because most of you are in the space, this matters. That is functionality, right, of your employees going to call a bunch of nonprofits to go sign up or you as an admin trying to manually work with a nonprofit to go volunteer can be a very manual process. And sometimes because there is no technical common ground between the nonprofit and the for-profit, there can be a lot of stress on the nonprofit during that process. What Point does is gives them a, a common ground, gives them a tool they're both working on that's actually a workforce tool for the nonprofit, which there's not another platform that is a workforce tool for the nonprofit. And 
coordinates that process and takes the pressure off of the nonprofit. And that's that's how you and I got introduced, really. I'm gonna, I'm going to probably bow out of this conversation here in a minute, but it's hard to coordinate, number one, coordinate inside of a company to get volunteers. But if you're doing it in a way where you can't tell anybody times, you can't tell anybody locations, you can't tell, talk about virtual opportunities, in-person per- opportunities, and there's just these weird conversations, and then you're, you're trying to coordinate on the other side, it's a full-time job, which is actually how I got to know Jessica. She was she was a hire for the team to Ta-da. for us to um, offload the hard work. I'll just I'll just put it out there right now. <laughs> really, in, in any corporate social responsibility thing, right? Writing checks is easy. Figuring out how to help nonprofits with product is easy. In compare to workforce alignment, employee volunteering, that's hard. It's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of very interested people that you don't want to frustrate. And it sounds like this bulletin board thing adds frustration. And I know from personal experience, it does add frustration, both as a volunteer and as someone that tried putting together volunteer events. Yeah, Madison, you shared a lot there. Thank you for walking us through how Point came to life and how you kind of became this creative entrepreneur, landscaper, bleeding heart, fixer, all the things. One thing that sticks out to me is uh, talking about the impact that corporations have on nonprofits, even when intentions are good, trying to help. Knowing that our audience is mostly CSR professionals, what kind of tips would you offer to this group when they're working with nonprofits or building programs or volunteering? When we first start working with a company, we first take a step back and say, what's your strategy? And again, in the context of this discussion, I'm not talking about giving at all. I'm just talking about volunteering. What's your volunteer strategy? Are you broad or are you deep? For example, do you want your employees to go after the things that they care about and just kind of have this like self-service model where employees, you you go chase your passions and we'll do a essentially our count for an impact metric? Or are you having this adopt a nonprofit or adopt a cause idea that uh, correlates with your cause pillars at your corporation? And if you are having an adopt a nonprofit or a cause strategy, what is that? What does that relationship actually look like logistically? And I think that so often we might say, okay, we want these relationships with nonprofits. We want to help locally. We want to have a hyper-local target, right? These are all these big buzzwords right now in the social good space, but they can be extremely unattainable if the tools are not matching up between the nonprofit and the for-profit or the expectations are not aligned. And I think sometimes that expectation communication is really important. And sometimes I think corporations are shy of telling nonprofits exactly what they want as outcomes or deliverables, really. (laughs) And nonprofits don't want to be guessing. And if you're starting to work with a small nonprofit, which so many times companies kind of back away from, it's like, oh, they're too small. We don't want to work with them. We need to work with them, right? They're they're grassroots. They're fixing major issues in our community that maybe have been unsolved before. Everyone starts as a startup, and that includes a nonprofit. So if you're starting with those like startup nonprofits, 
have set deliverables or expectations about the relationship or ask them to submit an RFP, like send them through a regular process. Don't just call them up on the phone and say, okay, we're going to send you 20 people. Okay. Sounds good. Right. We need to get things a little bit more buttoned up in terms of relationship. I also think it's important to remember that when we are, when corporations are sending volunteers to nonprofits, that's taxing, that's taking time, that's taking effort. And though volunteering seems like we're offering our skills, we could, we should also kind of consider ways that we can offer resources in terms of money uh, to supplement that lost time and lost bandwidth. Right. Or in terms of time, the time for coordination, especially, Mm -hmm. especially if you're working with entities in different neighborhoods in the city that might have a different ethnic background. You know, I just suggested that, you know, a nonprofit might send you an RFP. If you're working with an immigrant population, there's no way they're going to do that, right? Um, That's not true. They might, but what we've seen is that they don't. How you communicate with those communities might be different than your email communication that you're used to. Maybe you need to start using WhatsApp to communicate with those coordinators, right? We need to think about where the nonprofits are, what exactly they need help with, and then have your team define the hows, the outcomes, the objectives, and then how you're going to help that nonprofit with that lift. I think that so many of our small startup community grassroots effort type entities or nonprofits do not get corporate support because corporate doesn't want to do the hard work. But that's where change happens, right? Everybody can go partner with a food bank easily. And I'm not saying that's not needed because it's necessary. But if you want to have lasting impact as a company, take on the challenge of helping where it's needed. And that can get messy, (laughs) but it's not impossible. Yeah, I love that quote. I think that's gonna be your little blurb for the show. (laughs) I even wrote it down. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's the truth. I think we've had the past 10 years where companies say, okay, we're gonna buy this CSR platform, we're going to, which comes with this API, with like this bulletin board of volunteer opportunities. We've checked our social good box. I don't think it's had the outcomes we're looking for. I think corporate knows it. I think platforms know it. And I think we're waiting for CSR admins in companies to internally take on the challenge to want to move the needle in the spaces that companies haven't gone before. And that's the companies we love to work with, right? We love when companies come to us and say, hey, we are in this neighborhood. We wanted to move the needle here. How do we do that? And then we really facilitate this discussion between nonprofits and what they really need and the CSR professionals to parse out where they could actually make the difference. So with Point, who initiates the relationship? Is it, we're, we're talking in this, this CSR mindset where you go to Point and you, you actually figure out what your game plan and your program is and who you're looking to work with. 
is is the corporation engaging the platform or is the nonprofit engaging the platform? Is there something in the middle? Like everyone's the customer. Everyone's the customer. <laughs> but who, and, and this is a word you use and a word that I love and I get mocked for all the time. You know, the onus is on who? So if you're a company, it's on you. Nonprofits come to point because we are their workforce management tool. They use us whether corporate entities are on our platform or not which is our power. It's our superpower. <laughs> That's what makes us extremely unique in this space. Other platforms can uh, come to us and essentially buy our list of volunteer opportunities. It's not a bulletin board. It's on demand to offer to their companies. Um, but if we're just talking about you as a CSR professional at a company, you would come to us to point and say, hey, I want a in-depth relationship in this city. How is that achievable? You could also come to us and say, we just want a, a normal volunteer program and we just want to volunteer anywhere and everywhere. We'll allow, you know, we have those capabilities just like every other platform, but we don't love to make that the, you know, the hill we die on. <laughs> every CSR platform will tell you, oh, we have one point. 2 million nonprofits on our platform because we've taken some lists off the IRS <laughs> or, or something of the sort. That's It's not really true. We have, you know, a thousand engaged nonprofits that use us for their workforce. Again, tools, companies come to us and say, we want to make big change in, in these areas. Where can you introduce us to? We introduce them to the right partners and the right nonprofits at the literally the ground level in those areas. And then we give them a collaborative tool, again, that they can plan those volunteer opportunities. They can co-host, they can share responsibilities. Um, they have access to the same reports. Um, so again, we look for the companies that want to do deep lasting work. And, and this allows nonprofits in general to embed in the company culture. Like, do you integrate? Do people get Slack messages recruiting for opportunities? Does this automate out a lot of that extra legwork, that coordination legwork between teams? In terms of the team level, like the employee level, not a ton changes for the employee as compared to a, another system other than the, the sign-up is on demand and instant, which, again as you guys know, nobody wants to play phone tag, right? Instant opportunities means faster impact. You know, we help employees help faster and then therefore nonprofits find help faster. On the admin side is where we're a game changer. For our CSR professionals, that's where we are a game changer. Being able to create those nonprofits, co-hosting opportunities, and then for the nonprofit, alleviating that stress. Very cool, very cool. So is, is there a third leg to this? Let's say it's just me and I want to find better volunteer opportunities. And I don't want to be like you in college and call up the and, and do phone tag and, and everything else. Is there is there a point app for individuals? I love when you throw me softballs. It's so nice of you. Yes, you can. You can download point. You can go to wherever you get your apps, search for point, download it. If we have nonprofits ha that have public events in your city, 
then you can sign up to volunteer. You can also invite nonprofits in your city to join Point and have um, our really super sick management tools at their disposal. So yeah, you can go download Point wherever you are. If it says there's no volunteer opportunities in your area, that doesn't mean they're not. They might be private, which means nonprofits are using Point for their own internal uh, workforce uh, events, which is also pretty awesome. So I'm, I'm going to start steering us off topic. You're an entrepreneur, which is near and dear to my heart. You're a risk-taking entrepreneur, jumping into a category and space that is not familiar, but you saw a need. And you're an entrepreneurial parent, which I love as well. Are, are you, so people that are, that, that are thinking, oh, man, I see a need. I don't exactly know how to get there, but I'm smart enough that I can pull the right people together and, and share my vision. We've talked to a few people this season that have operated that way. And uh, it seems to be a, a safe leap somehow. How, how do you feel about it? Like, how, is, how has this journey been? It is hard. It is extremely hard. I think when you're playing in this space and with the approach that we've had, right, we're so nonprofit focused. We know exactly who we're helping. We're building tools for women leaders. That is not the sexy thing to VCs. That doesn't scream pile of money. And when you start something from the ground up, there's a lot of cash that's needed. Right. And, and I think this, you know, you, you had touched on it. There's this whole, there's the white knight. There's the affixing your oxygen mask before you help someone with theirs. Otherwise you're unable to in the future. Like how do you balance that? How do you balance being mission driven, but also being a, a type of organization that VCs aren't, aren't, aren't craving? I think at some point numbers talk and traction talks. We are at this point where, man, I say the word point a lot. We're at this point, we're showing something's working. We're showing we're hitting a nerve here. When other platforms have a really hard problem engaging nonprofits and keeping nonprofits on that platform and having a very sticky platform, point is sticky. Nonprofits need us. They come to us again with or without corporate. And because of that and because of our traction, you know, we're finding this inflection point and, and able to tell a story that people will listen to. But three years ago, no one would listen to me, right? You know, you're barking up the wrong tree. You know, that's a waste of money, X, Y, and Z. You know, I've kind of heard it all. I think if you're wanting to fi fix a need in your community, it is easier and probably more effective to be an intro do that within an organization that you're at. Sometimes it's faster to steer a ship than to build your own ship. And I think that so often that role is overlooked. I think that if you are at an organization that has talent and money already there, you know, figure out how to drive that ship. Building your own ship, like what I have done, you know, with a baby in tow, <laughs> It is, it's not for the faint of heart, right? You hear all of these crazy stories of uh, entrepreneurs that, you know, wake up at crazy hours a day and work till 1 a.m. That's, that's a common thing. There's not a lot of that personal 
balance. But at the end of the day, what keeps me going is understanding that there is nobody hitting on the nerve that we're hitting on. No one's taking the approach like we are taking it. I think that sometimes to do things the right way, you have to do things the hard way. And that's what we've been doing. We haven't taken shortcuts. We tried at one point. Sometimes, at one point, I was just like, forget these nonprofits. I'm going to do what these corporations want me to do. I'm done with this. This is too difficult. You know, we flipped gears. We, we were bringing in some cash. But at the same time, I just looked at myself and going, this is not, this is not why you get up every day. You get up every day to fix things and to put your brain to work in the areas that the world needs to be focused on. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you didn't give up and go the easy way because it's the, one of the things that I've, I just love about point I've always been amazed about is, is truly, and you've used the term workforce. It really is a workforce management tool for nonprofits. It's a volunteer coordination. It's recruiting, it's curating experiences. Like that's huge. That, and I, I can't, you know, with all these software technologies I've played with and people that I've spoken to, I don't know anyone that is satisfying that need. But Point is knocking out of the park and using that tool to help make better reporting, to make those curated opportunities available to organizations and individuals that are looking for them. So again, thank you for not abandoning the, the beautiful part of this. It's, it is beautiful. It's hard, but it is beautiful. And I think that, you know, every CSR professional walks into the office and out of the office with the same question of what good am I doing in the world today, right? When I walk into work, where's my focus? And when I walk out of work, what have I done? And when I go to work, I think, how am I equipping women leaders? Am I giving them the right tools? Are they going to grow capacity? And corporate's a part of that. Technology is a part of that. Um, resources are a part of that. And it's hard work, but uh, it's definitely work that I want to see more people in, right? I don't think Point should be the only ones doing this. And we're not. We're not the only people doing it. But I think there needs to be more attention on women leaders who are changing our communities. Um, I think every company needs to have that focus of who is doing the work. How do we support these women? Thanks for taking the hard route and making the world a better place. Thanks for doing what you do. I think that awareness is so important. For everyone listening to this podcast, I think that, I, you know, I want to see what they're doing. So thank you for giving me a place to, to feel inspired. So with that, with people to see what you're doing, what's the website? How do people get a hold of you? Where do, we've already talked about where to download the app, but you should say it again. You can find us wherever you get apps. Just search for Point, and I think there's a Point credit card, but other than that, it should be us. <laughs> or you can go to pointapp.org. If you're a nonprofit, you can sign up there. If you are a CSR professional looking to have deep relationships with nonprofits or wanting a better, a better CSR tool, come find us there as well. Awesome. So what's your, what's your word of wisdom going out? What do you hope to see in the space? What do you hope to see happen in the next five years? I want to see companies doing the hard work to make hyper-local change, concentrated hyper-local change. I think that's how CSR started out. I think that big companies recognized it was easier for them to not have that approach, but I think they have the resources to go back to it. Be focused on in on a cause. Be focused in on relationships. 
I think that moves the needle. I've seen it move the needle. That's where you have true outcomes. And I want to see more adopters of point. And that, that gets that gets us where we're going. Thanks for doing my marketing, Peter. Oh, no worries. No worries. <laughs> what do you guys, actually, I'm curious. Can you tell me what you want to see in the space? Yeah, I have a lot of things, actually. I think we touched on today in our conversation, one of them, which is to be a bit more nonprofit-centered in the work from the corporate lens. I think that is an area for improvement. Well, and with that, I'd love to see more people that have nonprofit experience move into the corporate space. People of color in CSR, I would love to see that increase as well. Yeah, I think just like banding together and moving across these um, competition lines as well. Like, let's say competing organizations, if they compete in the market, I don't think they have to compete in CSR. Uh, And I could actually join forces to make a bigger impact together. That was, that was multiple things, so I'll, I'll go the same route. Well, we know the Saturday bonus episodes are just me getting on a soapbox. Madison, you, you're more than welcome to take one of those if you want, but I do. I, I see a very, I want all of those things, and the hyper-local, I think, is necessary. It's absolutely necessary, and you're right. It is much easier to set aside a big chunk of money and write two or three big checks aligned to a mission concept banking on a couple organizations and writing out a long-term goal. The lack of a tool to help with the hyper-local is probably what got everybody away from it because it's much easier to treat these large organizations you write large checks to as investments. So now if you're looking at these smaller investments, we finally are at a point where we can reapproach that mindset. I want to see nonprofits treated with more dignity, uh, especially from a product impact side. That's something that I've been pursuing very hard these past two years, not only in treating them like a real vertical and a real audience, but like you said, they're the number three employer in the United States. There's 1.2 million of them out there. And closing that tech inequity and making sure that that audience is a, a nonprofit and a startup, they have very similar people builds, many people wearing many different hats, and very similar needs in rolling and getting off the ground. And the thing that, the reason that this even exists, I want the fiefdoms to disappear in corporate social responsibility. I want the the walls to come down. The secret sauce to doing this work right is not keeping secrets. Those of us doing something special tarnish it and, and sully it by keeping it a secret and not sharing how. This came about because when I got into the space two years ago, thank you, Alex Sloan, I made a mission as someone who knew nothing to reach out on a daily basis and try and get a coffee chat with somebody 30 minutes at a time. And I was in a stride for a while. I was getting three to five a week. And then I realized I had to go, like I actually had to do my job. So we, we tailored it back and I said, this, this can't stop. And a lot of the gold nuggets that I pull out of these conversations, people are like, where'd you hear that? Who shared that with you? What does it mean? So then, yeah, we made a podcast. We're starting to just broadcast that. That's why we're talking to people in the space. People that want to tell that story, but don't know, don't know that people don't know. A lot of us think that we're not doing anything really special. And uh, we have to get away from that. There definitely is a professionalism and a unique skill set being in this space. It is not often appreciated. It's not often valued. And I think that 
those listening to this, thank you. Thank you for putting that skill set to work. Thank you for doing that hard work. But yeah, absolutely. It is a, it is a unique uh, job and a unique position that we're all in. And it's amazing to see that the outcomes that we've ha- have had, right? It's, it's easy to say what we haven't done. We know that companies make a big, big difference in, in the space. So I don't want to discredit that at all. But I do want to put the challenge out of there's there's harder work to be done. All right. Well, it has been incredible chatting with you today, Madison. Thanks for taking the time. I think as an audience, we learned a lot from you, especially around connecting with nonprofits in a mindful and intentional way. I think that can go really far. Thanks for telling us about Point. Sounds like an amazing app. I'm going to download it on my phone immediately uh, and see what's around me. I hope you all do too. Maybe as a last kind of closeout, one good thing that you could leave with us, something you're thinking about, something you enjoy. I think on a personal level, I had to find even, you know, the CEO of a volunteer company. I had to find ways that I could contribute locally myself. I think that so many times you as a person, a CSR professional, can get disconnected from the good in your neighborhood, right? Again, my confessional. I'm a CEO of a volunteer tech company and I wasn't really volunteering. Maybe a baby had something to do that with that. But, you know, for me, I just picked up volunteering at a garden down the street. I bring my kid. It's not even on point. It's so small, right? You know, you just walk in and you pull some weeds and you, you know, produce some vegetables and fruit for the community. I think that for us to keep on doing the work that we do, we need to be tied personally to our communities and for us to not get detached. And I think that's, I do that Fridays at 5 p.m. So it's a Friday, it's 5 p.m. And that's something I'm looking forward to. It's like the good in my day that I'm, I'm just inspired by. So I think that's the good that I'll leave you with of, you know, just finding, finding your own tie into your community. I think that it's helped me a lot. Thank you. Go out and volunteer in your communities. Find those little moments of joy and stay connected to the people around you.